Welcome to Our Kids, Our Schools, your compass in the world of local education hosted by Alexis Morgan, an experienced guide and advocate. This space offers insights designed to serve parents, teachers, administrators, school board members, and community stakeholders. Every episode is designed to equip you with the knowledge and tools to be an active participant. This podcast isn't just a dialogue. It's a movement, a movement that encourages collaboration to foster a thriving school community because together we can, we will make a difference. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. Today, I talk with Amy Curtis, a local to Boise therapist who has been practicing for nearly 30 years. We dive into the world of teenagers, a very important component of our school community. Hope you enjoy the conversation. For anyone that's watching, with these like puff sleeves to denote yes, shoulder pads, which were so 80s and 90s. Shoulder pads. Yes. I was trying to go for something 80s because we're talking about the Breakfast Club today. I know. And it's like the best part of the 80s was in the Breakfast Club. I know. And I'm just really disappointed that sad. I didn't come dressed for the occasion. <laughs> I'm sad you didn't come dressed for the occasion well, today. Well, I lost my crimper. That's why. You lost it? <laughs> yeah. You did it's not. It's probably somewhere in my mom's oh. house buried in a drawer. <laughs> Crimping light came back recently. I know. I've seen you with crimped hair. It looks really good. Yeah. Those those, those are wave curlers. Oh, wave curlers. I guess that's true. Crimpers are kind of like QB and yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, so I'm really glad that you're here today with me talking about or we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about teenagers today. And I'm really excited that you're here because you are like my go-to resident on all things psych concepts because you are a therapist I know and I love teenagers like I I think teens are the coolest people on the planet because they are so awkwardly authentic and I just think they're cool to be around they I I totally agree I love spending time with teenagers it's one of my favorite things in substitute teaching is I like to be at the high school with the teenagers. Yeah. Because they, they're they like a no BS. They live in a no BS world. Yeah. They just, they want you to be real so they can be real and you can all be real together. Yeah, that's so true, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wanted to, before we kind of like really dive into this conversation, I wanted to, because this is the Our Kids, Our Schools podcast, which is so cool, by the way. I love yeah. that you're here with me on this. I want to know, before I go into this other thing, that this is kind of like our two-year anniversary of ever being on a podcast together. Because two years ago, we recorded a podcast together on this other podcast that I was on. And it was the very first podcast you ever recorded. And I told you that I listened to it for the first time today because I'm so awkward <laughs> listening to myself. So in two years from now, mark my words, I will listen to this podcast and see how we did. Fingers crossed. I really hope in that's meantime, true for you. In the meantime, I'll just, it'll live in my memory. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm so impressed with what you've built. And it's so cool that we're doing this because I think that this message is so relevant Mm -hmm. for youth and for parents and for educators because psychology and social dynamics are a huge feature of what's happening in the schools. Yes, I totally agree. 
And that's the need to talk about this for our school communities. And I got this email recently from someone that said, hey, I love what you're doing, and I'm so glad that you're informing parents. And I thought, I so appreciate that she reached out and shared that idea with me. But I was really thinking about how a school community is a lot more than parents. A school community is something that encompasses, okay, yeah, it encompasses our schools and our parents and our students. But it's, I'm really trying to almost define this in a way that's new because a school community is those, are those things, our teach, like our school staff, our parents, our, our students, but it's also everyone that resides in a school area mm-hmm. that impacts our schools. So that includes our neighbors, our business owners, the professionals. It includes our voters and our taxpayers. All of those people are really important parts of our school community. And I'll throw in there, it also includes our city leaders, like our mayor, our city council. Mm -hmm. And I actually just had a mayoral candidate come by my house and talk to me about why he wants to be chosen for this election, this runoff election that's coming. And I actually asked him, well, what are you doing for our school communities? Like, what are you doing for our community Mm -hmm. right here? And he didn't really have an answer that I felt was what I was looking for personally. And I thought, I think it's because he, people are not making that connection yet. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, but some people are not. And I want more people to make that connection because we need our communities are to come together to see that how they are a school community because our kids are the future and we need to make sure that we're working together as a community, all the different parts that we're coming together to work, all the different viewpoints, right? It's not the same viewpoint. It's all the different viewpoints to come together to produce something amazing for our school communities. I, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about how schools are really the the stage, if you will, where we develop our communities because it's really kind of where we plant the seeds of the future in terms of our culture and our values. Mm-hmm. That's all happening in the schools. And it's, so what happens there is so important. I totally agree. And I, someone shared with me the other day that I thought was so cool that when you go to, say, like a high school football game, mm-hmm. you see so many people showcased at that event. Like when you go to my kids' high school, our our kids go to the same high school, you've got the marching band that comes out and the mm-hmm. cheerleaders that are there, the yeah. football players, you've got the dance team, you've got the student section, you've got tons of community members there, not just parents, but people who care about kids and football and having fun together and then you've got that opposing side and you've got all the talent on the field then and all the different components there I mean there are so many people there showcasing their skills and talents and even if that's just cheering the kids on at that event and so I agree with you that like our schools are really often the heart of our communities I could not agree more. Yeah. So which is why I'm so glad we're talking about teenagers today. And as I referenced my 80s clothes, my my look for you today with my shoulder pads here, right? My shoulder <laughs> pads. Um, this is why we're talking about te- like the 80s and the breakfast club. But why, Amy, will you, say, will you tell us why the breakfast club? 
I think the Breakfast Club really showcased teenagers in high school and all the different types of psychological dynamics and the need for acceptance and to find a purpose and belonging. And it's timeless. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it for the first time and I was of that age when that movie was released and I just felt like I saw myself in so many of those characters. And now I go back and I rewatch it and I just think this is still happening today um, with the clients that I see and I work with. I think these these dynamics are playing out. They're timeless. Yes. And to that idea... Just a year ago, I watched The Breakfast Club with my, she was a sophomore at that time. She was 16, my 16-year-old daughter. She was going through some stuff at school, and you had suggested, watch The Breakfast Club with her. (laughs) And I watched it with her, and it was fascinating. We watched it, and I asked her right at the very end, I, I said, I asked, what did you notice in that movie? Like, what are some of your takeaways? And she looked at me, and she said, mom, that was my high school. I see those things in my high school. And then it was really funny because mm, a couple hours later, she and I were talking about just some of the social dynamics that were happening for her. And I kind of went and just shared an example from my life. I started like, hey, when I was in school, you know, and she was like, yeah, mom, but that was a while ago. And I said, you're right. It was. But remember how we just watched the the, (laughs) the Breakfast Club and that took place in the 80s? I was in high school in the 90s. So those themes and she it was just like this like light switch went off in her in her in her head and she and it was like oh my mom's not irrelevant (laughs) like I mean the the things are different but the themes are there and that's what almost like I really kind of think the breakfast club did for that dynamic between she and I was that she kind of got to see that, oh, the experiences that my mom had as a teenager are not irrelevant to what I'm going through today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of the very few 80s movies that had that kind of like staying power. Like I think Gremlins didn't age so well and other kinds no. of movies. <laughs> and sadly, like 16 Candles, like I just waited for some dude to show up with a cake on my 16th birthday. Didn't happen. No. But I would say The Breakfast Club was pretty darn accurate and has has stood the test. Of yes, it's timeless. So this movie has five characters and I'm going to tell everyone that's listening that if you have not seen this movie it's going to be it's going to be okay because we're going to really talk about the characters but I think if you have not seen it you're going to want to go watch it after this yeah and if you have seen it before I think you're still going to want to go watch it after this because you'll start noticing the things that we talk about in these characters in the movie Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into some of these characters. And I think the thing that's value about these five characters are that these characters are who we see in the high schools today. Clearly, you know, these are just like a character and they have... They're generic, right? I mean, they're it's an idea. They're stereotypes. Thank you. That's the word. Stereotypes. So the very first one is... The kid who plays his character is Brian Johnson, and this is the nerd. Yeah. Okay. And he makes a statement at one point there. The the concept, that, let's talk about the concept of the Breakfast Club at first. Will you give the concept so for people who haven't heard this? Okay. So for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. these high school students 
find themselves on a Saturday morning in detention. Yes. And they have nothing to do with each other outside of this experience. Like they're the kind of people that would not even speak to each other in the hallways. Exactly. And yet they are there by themselves and they are forced to engage one another and confront the stereotypes that kind of epitomize their lives. And so they're not only reflecting to each other how they see each other, but also how they see themselves. Mm -hmm. And they spend an entire day doing this. And then the end is so poignant because the end is kind of this question. And I think it's Brian, the first kid we're talking about, the nerd that kind of says at the end, like, are we even going to speak to each other when we see each other on Monday? We've shared this experience and it's been so profound and changing. And one of the other kids just looks at him and says, no, we won't. I probably won't speak to you in the halls on Monday. Yeah. And it's just kind of like the wall comes down for a few magical hours. And then it just like snaps right back up. And you just know that that was the most real authentic thing that that person could have told him. And it was true. Right? It, yes. Anyway, it's just such a great movie. I agree. I agree. And I like how, like, they're in this. I mean, as I was watching it, I thought, like, it took me back to my high school library and, and being in there and walking in the halls and the things. Okay, that, were you ever in detention? I I think I did end up in detention at you some did? point. I think I did. Yes. Mm -hmm. You did? That was probably, like, when I watched it, that's the most implausible thing I like I never you... found myself in detention ever <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny yeah never. I was uh, well it's well, funny it probably surprises you knowing me this now yes. but I, I was... you just I don't think you were getting caught I think you didn't get caught that was <laughs> you didn't get caught I'm pretty sure I did go to detention at some point one time maybe mm -hmm. and for I don't even remember what it was but that's why I'm saying like they're in this scenario and they're walking around and I think it can just be so it looks so um kind of generic but uh what's the word it's generic but relatable like yeah. oh that feels familiar that's the word I'm thinking yeah of. Like, it's, it's almost like every school detention hall every school library it kind of looks like this so yes. they're sitting together and they're having at one point as as they first start in in the movie they're they're sitting at separate tables and they're kind of all giving their snarky remarks to each other. And then at one point they find themselves sitting together on the floor and they're talking. And then at another point they kind of have this adventure in the hallway because they're trying to get away from the assistant principal who is there. They're trying not to get caught doing this thing. And then they have their moment at the end and as you mentioned, yeah. they kind of walk away like, we're never going to talk to each other after this. So they do have these few vulnerable moments where they're expressing comments. And I think that the reason that this is so valuable for us as adults who are participating in this conversation, um, listening, for me, I think it's valuable because as adults, we have to be clued in enough to catch these moments. Yeah. And that's hard to do. Yeah. Because kids often are just teenagers or they're just going to give us snippets. And if we can catch those snippets, we're going to see part of who they are and we're going to help them feel 
valued for who they are. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, that's what every person wants on this planet is to feel loved and valued for who they are. Yeah. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, that idea that's coming. But so essentially, we've got five characters. And let's start with Brian, who's the nerd. And Brian, at one point, he's talking with Claire. Claire's the prep. Claire is the prep. She is the princess. Mm -hmm. Claire's the princess. And so Brian says, like, when I step outside myself, kind of, and when I... When I look at in at myself, you know, and I see me and I don't like what I see, I really don't. And Claire's, res- Claire's question is, what's wrong with you? Why don't you like yourself? And Brian says, because I'm stupid, because I'm failing shop. Yeah. And I, some of the other characters just look at him like, what's wrong with you? Well, because he's acing every other class, right? Mm-hmm. But then the thing that every kid should pass is the thing that he feels the most inadequate at and he's just so shamed by the fact that he can't be perfect. Exactly, because Brian's challenge, the nerd, the nerd's challenge here is that he's looking for acceptance through other people, through teachers, through parents. And performance, Mm -hmm. right? Performing, doing all the things in all the classes that all his parents and his teachers are expecting and... When it boils down to it, he can't pass shop. And it's just like, it's just humiliating. Yes, because he needs their approval to feel good about himself. Yeah. And there are teenagers all over our high schools like that who are looking for approval from other people. It's really true. And and I think that sometimes these kiddos are the kids who parents really praise because that anxiety to perform, you know, compels that kid to go above and beyond to do well. And so parents almost reinforce that, like, that's our kid that's, you know, he's our straight arrow. He's the kid that does everything right. He doesn't give us any worries. And the child almost takes that in like there's no room for mistakes. Mm-hmm. And their love might be conditional. I've never tested it, but it might be conditional. And so I think with kids like that, you almost have to, you know, reassure them that at some point, there's something's going to come along and you're, you know, you're going to struggle with that. And that's okay. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's normal. Yeah. It's normal. I have a kid like this who really has almost like that perfectionistic looking for mm-hmm. someone else for approval, right? This is like something that I've noticed. And one of the things that my husband and I have tried to help him understand is that it's okay to struggle. It's normal. And we're here to support you through the process yeah. so that you can feel good about learning how to figure these things out with the support of your parents, with the support of your teachers. And then pretty soon you're going to be able to do it on your own and feel good along the way. Yeah. And, and don't, I think that sometimes like helicopter parents will avoid that experience as long as they can they'll prolong it they'll enable they'll prop up as long as they can and then at some point this kid has to break you know into their own life and then that failure comes only 
they haven't really experienced the stress of a failure or a disappointment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, they're ill-equipped. I agree. I agree. And so I think for these kids, the 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 looking for things for parents and for teachers is look for those kids who that they're constantly or they need that approval from other people Mm -hmm. and as adults and as teachers we want these kids to learn how to gain confidence in themselves yeah so recently i was speaking with a group of youth and we were talking about emotional resilience and we were trying to brainstorm, what do you do when you encounter a failure? What could you say to yourself that really helps you to move through it? And this young woman said that her teacher has this phrase that's called grow and glow. Whenever you, you know, bomb on a test, she'll her feedback is, how are you going to grow and glow grow and glow from this and I loved it and it's just like the class motto whenever you have a tough test or a tough assignment it was really focused on being resilient and triumphing over setbacks and I love that that is incredible I'm I'm gonna borrow that idea (laughs) how are you going to grow and glow from this that's so good isn't it that is gold that's another g for you that's gold That's gold. Okay. So now our second character is the athlete. This is Andrew Clark. This is the one that's played by Emilio Estevez. Yeah. So this is the character. He's our athlete. And he says at one point, well, he says a few different things that are really fascinating. At one point, he says, we're all pretty bizarre. Some of us are just better at hiding it. That's all. Yeah. I loved that. I actually love that statement. Because the fact is, we're all pretty weird. And some of us are just, some people are just better at hiding it than others. But his character feels like he has to hide it. That's, that's the, that's one of his challenges. Because at some point he says, Andrew says, oh, I have problems. And another character says, you do everything everyone tells you to do. And that is a problem. And Andrew says, Okay, fine, but I didn't dump my purse out on the couch and invite everyone into my problems. So he feels like, oh, and another point, I'm sorry, he's got, he's, we've got a lot of quotes here for him. He says, I could disappear forever and it wouldn't make any difference. And I just feel like this is a character who has so many things that are happening internally but he's not telling people about it. Yeah, so I kind of think my brother was like this kid and mm-hmm. that he just never ruffled any feathers. He kind of flew under the radar a lot, um, was a really easygoing guy mm-hmm. um, all through high school. And I just, but I know that he really struggled, but he wasn't like in your face talking about it Mm -hmm. and then you know there would be times where like something would happen and my parents would kind of be surprised like oh my word he's like he's got like stuff going on like they're you know he's struggling with things but he was just so naturally easygoing Mm -hmm. and I kind of tell parents like beware of those kids yes because they're so easy to just lull you into this sense of like nothing to see here everything is good 
And oftentimes these kids are hiding that stuff that they don't know how to handle or they're worried about being rejected. Mm-hmm. If the people really knew what they were thinking, feeling, experiencing. Exactly. Oh, 100%. And Andrew is the athlete. And there is a book by Rosalind Wiseman, who is a, she's a psychologist called Masterminds and Wingmen. It's an excellent resource about teenage boys. Yeah. And I love that book. Oh, it's it's so good. It's, yes, it's so good. It's like, it really will play out and show you all the different characters of a teenager, teenage boy, how boys are expected. And I feel like this athlete character, he is in the book, Masterminds and Wingmen, he, he would be the mastermind, like the leader of the group. That's right. Okay. And boys are told, one of the things that Rosalind talks about in her book is how we put boys in this act like a man box. Yeah. And there's all these expectations that they must live up to. And that is what this character feels in the book. That he's got to live up to all these expectations. And so he doesn't want to show, he doesn't want, he can't, doesn't feel like he can talk about the things that are hard in his life. And so the, as you mentioned, we have a lot of kids who act like things are great. Hey, life is good. I got nothing going on here. And parents just think, I have the easiest kid. Right. And I hear a lot of parents or moms even say, um, you know, being a boy mom is so nice because you don't have to deal with all that drama. Yes. And I think there is so much going on in boys' minds that we don't hear about. Um, Last night I was running a therapy group for couples and the discussion was about men and emotions Mm -hmm. and listening to men talk about how societally it it wasn't acceptable for them to have feelings and um from a very young age feeling belittled for having feelings and um how that leads to complications in relationships when you're an adult because you need those emotions to connect and attach to your partner. And if that's been suppressed your whole life, it's hard to to um, reveal that when you're so conditioned not to. Yes, I totally agree. It was interesting. My husband had a recent experience talking with a bunch of men and one of the guys mentioned like, oh, this is so great. Men don't do this. They don't like we in our in our culture, we don't talk about feelings. And he almost was kind of talking about it as if it was atypical and something that might not continue forward. And my husband thought men have feelings and it's great when we all get together too and we actually need friends just like women do (laughs) like those are really important things for them but when we put boys particularly in this box Mm -hmm. that we think they have to act a certain way it is it is counterproductive for our for our boys it really is it really is and it has lifelong consequences yeah that are profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with with this particular character, when we see this as parents and as teachers, I think the thing for me that I think about is don't think that this kid doesn't have things going on. Yeah. Don't assume that because this kid is so easy and like, oh, yeah, I'm, I, life is great, that there's not something going on for him. 
the fact is there is something going on for him because everyone has things going on. Yeah. And these are the kids you have to watch really close. It's like sometimes even just a flash of emotion across their face mm-hmm. and asking, I just saw that. What what was that? You have to really be paying attention. Mm-hmm. And I notice that when adults and teachers, parents, when they do those things and they do it somewhat regularly or give these kids mm-hmm. a couple of opportunities, these kids do open up. Yeah, They do learn how to trust adults because they they recognize that adults are trustworthy and they want to share who they are. They that's a I think that that's a an innate desire wouldn't you like do you agree yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah we need that mm-hmm. okay so our next character is Claire this is uh Molly Ringwald Ringwald, Ringwald yeah. yeah she's the princess of the group and she is it's actually perfect because I think in this photo that I have of her she's wearing a pink shirt <laughs> I th- is that all she wore in the 80s was pink it pretty much like her signature was that that pink. And it looked good. It looks good on her because she's got that red hair. Who would have thought pink and red hair? But it, she totally worked it. It was and, her signature. And now it's a thing. It is a thing. And we have Molly Ringwald to thank for that. I, I'll thank her for that. Yeah. Yeah, she's fabulous. So she says, uh, we've got a couple of quotes here for her. Uh, her so she says the princess says, I hate it. I hate having to go along with everything my friends say. And the nerd says to her, well, then why do you do it? And she says, I don't know. I don't, you don't understand. You don't. You're not friends with the same kind of people that Andy and I are friends with. You know, you just don't understand the pressure that they can put on you. Oh, yeah. And and this is like from the same author, Rosalind Wiseman, talking about queen bees and wannabes, mm-hmm. which is what the movie Mean Girls is based on. Yes, that and was such a good movie. That too, was actually. such a good movie. Yeah. And and it was based on this book and um, this social um, scientist um, study of dynam- social dynamics amongst teen girls. And what Claire is saying is really true. She is trying to maintain social acceptance with her peers so that she can stay on top of the heap. And that is a ton of pressure. But when you're on the outside of that popular group and you're looking from the outside in, all you see is, you know, they got everything. They're so well liked and not recognizing that maintaining that status is very stressful, as she said here. Yes, Yes, she captures this. I think this idea is captured so well here that this pressure that she feels to conform to her friends so that she can stay on the top, that this is actually hard. And I love that the I love the point that you make that what is often missed in these social dynamics, even adults, I think, you know, we go through our teenage years Mm -hmm. and then we we didn't see it then or we don't see it now is that pressure from two different parts from two different point points of view. The pressure from the girl who's in it, who's feeling all of the stress of feeling like she's got to stay here and how do I stay here mm-hmm. in this circle. And then the people on the outside feeling like, well, it stinks to be over here. And how could you feel pressure? Because you make it look so easy. Yeah. And, and everybody likes you and wants to be you. So why are you saying you don't like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, going off this idea of uh, Mean Girls is, you know, Regina George has the cool mom. Mm -hmm. And how many parents um, reinforce the pressure that kids in Claire's position are in by, you know, help promoting their own child's popularity. Well, because it feels good to them. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, you mm-hmm. know, so almost like rewarding um, to parents too. And, and we want our kids to be liked. Of course we do. Don't we? I mean, yes. it's like being liked and having friends, we all know is really important to kids' mental health. Mm-hmm. But it's also important to evaluate what are the costs of these friendships. Mm-hmm. And um, some friendships may not be worth that. Yes. And and what Claire is experiencing here, her biggest challenge is looking for acceptance from her peers. Yeah. And I think this is a great time at this point to talk about the difference between fitting in and belonging because they are majorly different. Brene, Dr. Brene Brown does a great job talking about these two ideas if this is the first time that you're hearing about it. But tell Tell us, Amy, what's the difference between fitting in and belonging? What does each one look like? So I will not say this as eloquently as Brene Brown. It's so okay. Just, it's I'm okay. giving this caveat because <laughs> I'm sure she's got memes and all kinds of things yeah, yeah, with, yeah. that quote her in a very perfect way. But um, fitting in is about conforming yourself in order to be liked by others. Whereas belonging is finding acceptance for who you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. I heard Brene Brown say that fitting in is the opposite of belonging. It is. Yes. I do believe that, yes. And it's hard because what the what Molly Ringwald's character is talking about is this pressure to fit in. These people don't actually like what she's experiencing is that it's not that her friends like her for who she is. It's that she's got to do all these things to fit in and then she'll receive that acceptance that she's wanting. Well, and this is kind of the origin of that um, imposter syndrome, right? If people really knew me, Mm -hmm. then they might not like me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had a little, I mean, I I think everybody has this, right? Everybody's experienced this. Yeah. And there is a, there is something to be said for a healthy amount of imposter syndrome, right? Because part of that is linked with humility and acknowledging that like, hey, there's gaps in my knowledge and there's things that I got to yeah. learn, right? So there's that component of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember <laughs> I had gone out of town for the summer on vacation and I was probably somewhere in elementary school, like fifth, sixth grade. And I got home and my very best friend is so sweet. She's sitting on the doorstep. This is how I remember. I was sitting on this doorstep waiting for me to get home from the airport because I've been gone all summer long. And I am so excited to see her. This is a shout out to Angie Anderson. So I'm excited <laughs> to see her. I love it. And... We go strolling upstairs and we're so excited to go into my bedroom. And on my door, my dad had, I had this like a little white erase board and my dad had written um, 
Welcome Home, and he had put my nickname on there that only my parents <gasps> called me because I was mortified that anybody would know yeah. that nickname. Yes. And my f- best friend is like, what is that? Like she had never heard that. And I just remember being so mortified. And I know this sounds so trivial, but it's little things like that. Mm-hmm. And I like really worried, like, is my friend like going to go and tell everybody at school that my dad has this silly nickname for me? And it's just like that need to feel acceptance and to fit in. It's mm-hmm. just like ever present. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I often think about that experience and I think about how um, kids I'm sure deal with far worse on far greater levels, whether it's um, fear of poverty or family mental illness or family, other family circumstances that they are in and things that maybe cause them to feel like they don't belong. Mm -hmm. And then do we create communities where kids can't feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I was thinking about this idea and how we have, I know because I've seen, I have heard about it from my kids, that we have teachers who do such a good job about helping kids feel like they belong in that classroom environment. Yeah. And they're all sorts of kids that are coming in, different personality types, coming from different socioeconomic places. And these kids feel loved and accepted for who they are in these classes. And I'm thinking of two, well, actually, I can think of several teachers, several teachers at my kids' high school that do such a fantastic job at this. And it's the way that they engage with kids. It's how they are right connecting with them, making class a personable experience, but also professional, right? I mean, it's not so, I'm not talking about personal as inappropriate, but helping these kids realize that, hey, this is an environment where you can show up as yourself, that we will engage with you, and that we want you to thrive here. And we want you to grow and glow in yeah. this in this space. And as a matter of fact, we know that you're going to fail here probably. And that's okay because we're here to support you in this environment. There are teachers that do a fantastic job at this. And I I personally as a parent am so grateful for those parents that create those environments mm-hmm. for those kids. We need more people like that who know and have like who have read, who have observed and practiced how to foster these environments in our schools because we need this more in our community too. Society is so divisive. I think, you know, we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. And a teacher really sets the tone for belonging in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And, and sorry, you keep going. Oh, I just think that, you know, when you feel like you belong because a teacher treat you like you're special it's never I you know I often say like as a teacher um, in the areas where I teach that you know people aren't really going to remember what you taught but how you made them feel Mm -hmm. and the people that have impacted my life weren't people that taught great sermons or taught great lessons but were people that made me feel loved and cared about like I belonged yep yeah I 
I totally agree with what you're saying because I think my favorite, when I think about my, like maybe my top, in my top five favorite teachers at my high school, it wasn't the lessons that they taught. As a matter of fact, one of them was like the leadership teacher and we were in there for, um, for like student council content. Mm-hmm. And during my, I can't, now I can't remember if it was my junior or senior year. I think it was kind of near the end of my junior year. I was in this leadership class and I was lonely. Like I didn't have friends that I could sit with at lunch. Mm. And I remember walking around, making it look like I had something to do. Yeah. And this teacher who was the athletic director it's Mike Goen. I don't think Mike Goen is going to be listening to this, but he knows how much he impacted my experience because I've told him that this was a guy that had like just he did such a good job of loving students and loving them in a I'm talking about like a teacher professional way, but doing in a way that fostered that connection. And he helped me feel that I had a place at that school and that he would just give me some jobs and things to do in the class or as like kind of like an assistant athletic director in some of these um, ideas in his role that really helped me get through the end of that. It was my junior year and really kind of helped propel me to my senior year and to some really great moments. Mm -hmm. But it was that it was him that helped me feel like I belonged there when I felt like no one understood me among my peers in different moments. So to your point, yes, it it really matters more how we make kids feel and then these particular lessons, right, that we're having in class. The lessons are just a vehicle for creating that connection. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like my hope would be that any kid that graduates from a school in our district is leaving with more than an education. My hope is that they are leaving with that feeling of community, like they are a part of a community. Mm-hmm. That's what they should be leaving with, not a diploma. Um, diplomas are important, but they're not as important as feeling like I was a part of something. And that something is a part of who I will always be. I belong to this community. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think part of that is acknowledging that not every teacher is going to connect with every kid in that way, right? Exactly. Not every administrator is going to connect with every kid in that way. And not even necessarily are, is every parent going to connect maybe with even all of their kids in that way? But I think this is why it's so important. And I'm not saying parents, it's not meant to say that parents can't connect with kids. They can connect with all of their kids. But I think that there's something to be said for having that community around kids. All these different players that come Mm -hmm. in to support these schools that, gosh, we have kids who are on sports teams. We have kids who are at work, right, in these work environments. Um, My one of my kids connected with another family um, in our community. And that family loved my kid in a way that he needed to be loved in that time Mm -hmm. and helped him. It was like my kid needed to realize that it wasn't just his parents that loved him. He needed to feel love outside of the home as well. And when he felt that, 
I really saw him start to love himself because I think he had this belief that, well, my parents are just going to love me regardless. I know they love me, you know. You have to say that. You have to say that. (laughs) But somebody else outside the community saw his, I mean, outside our family, saw his value in our school community and supported and loved him in that way. And that helped him immensely with his seeing his own value. Yeah. And that's what I believe our school communities can do for our kids. Yeah, I agree. And that's what our school community that's what our kids need from their school communities. So when they leave, they have that confidence and support and they feel they know the value that they have and then they can go out and give value back to their community. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's just this circular kind of experience for our kids. So we've got two more characters we need to get to. Do you have anything else you wanted to say about that idea before we move on to the next character? I guess I'm, I'm, you know, what went flitted through my mind at that moment was just how COVID, you know, um, made community difficult um, to to feel maybe, you know, it became more about online community rather than in-person community out of necessity. Right. But in my practice, I really see a profound need for young people to reestablish connection with living people in their community, spending time with people, spending time with their friends in person, um, there are all these social skills that are getting lost and making people um, actually struggle to feel um, like they're accepted in their community. You know, it's it's so awkward that they're trying to fit in. And um, I just think as parents and educators, the more that we can be intentional about giving young people places to connect with their peers and other people, um, will ulti- I mean, it just needs to happen. We need to kind of help these kids recover. From, yeah. From those uh, hard times. Yeah. Great point. It's, yeah, being intentional about creating those opportunities and spaces for our kids and for adults too. I, I don't think that this is just um, just for teenagers. I think adults need to be able to have those opportunities. And and I'm seeing that around the Treasure Valley, particularly as different groups of people are getting together now. They're realizing how valuable that connection is. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be gobs and gobs and gobs of time, but something about being able to get mm-hmm. together. I was talking with a superintendent uh, from North Central Idaho. I was just at the Idaho School Boards Association Nash, uh, annual convention for the state of Idaho. And I was there as the Idaho PTA president. And so I got to interact with lots of different school board members and superintendents. And this one superintendent, he's a friend of mine, he said, students have to work really hard at my high school to not find something that is up their alley. Meaning that he was like, We have so many different clubs for kids. Mm -hmm. We have so many different ways for them to find the thing that they're interested in so they can connect with people that are interested in some of the things that they're interested in so they can have that connection. And I loved hearing that, that our 
that superintendents, right? Superintendents need to be aware of this idea as well. That these are, our kids need these opportunities to connect. And that's why a lot of our schools have started, districts around the state have started to you know, really hone in on the fact that, hey, if we're not getting our kids in the ninth grade to connect with a program or content, then we're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have that interest. So we need, if if a kid isn't necessarily interested in going on to college, right, the academic world isn't for isn't up their alley, then how can we connect with them as ninth graders? How can we keep them interested and engaged in academics? And this is where the career technical education comes in. And this is why the state of Idaho has made a big push for this. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually just, we just had a podcast episode uh, a couple, a couple episodes ago on how Idaho is actually a leader in college and career ready for the for our team for our youth Mm. and that they've got these programs that are working to engage kids in that way and when kids are engaged in these programs which are interactive they're engaging in something that they care about and then they can find other people who are interested and engaged Mm -hmm. and that's how I mean there's one way for them to connect right and to grow out of this COVID experience that we all had so that they can glow and shine in their school communities. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we've got two more characters. Yes. And these are the two characters. One is, we can kind of talk about them at the same time because I feel like they're the opposite. (laughs) So one of them is the rebel. This is John Bender, the guy. I'm like looking at his gloves on his hands, like he's got these gloves on his hands. And my 11-year-old is like wearing gloves on her hands this way. Like she's making some fashion statements. This is coming back? It's coming. I think. Well, yes. I. She has not watched um, The Breakfast Club, uh-huh. but I'm just now looking at this image going... <laughs> Because they kind of is look she like a rebel. <laughs> I know. Well, they remind me of like the Madonna gloves. Yeah. That's what like oh, these yeah. gloves like remind me of that. Cool. So uh, he makes comments like, "Well, um, being bad feels pretty good, huh?" And he says, uh, "Oh, at one point, the gosh, who was it? It was the athlete says, speak for yourself.'" And the rebel says, "You really think I'd speak for you? I don't even know your language." Like, this is a guy who's mm. trying to, he's kind of like, what is he? How would you describe him? I think he's a kid who feels like, I'm going to reject you first because I don't feel accepted by you. So you're, I'm reading that you're rejecting me, so I'm going to reject you first. Yes. He has not found acceptance, and so he is directing his pain outward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His pain, he's going to poke at other people and make other people feel bad about who they are because he feels bad about who he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other character, this is the the um, girl Allison Reynolds she plays the outsider and she says things like you want to know what I did to get here nothing I didn't have anything better to do and she says well if you say you haven't you're a prude if you say you have you're a slut it's a trap you want to put you want to but you can't and when you do you wish you didn't right 
And so this is a girl who her challenge is she's not found acceptance, but her pain is directed inward. Yeah, like self-inflicting, right? She's Mm -hmm. saying, you know, I didn't even need to be here. I just had nothing better to do but than to punish myself. And um, and we see kids in both of these camps. I mean, sadly, these are often the kids that um, I see in counseling. And um, they're maybe the ones that get recognized mm-hmm. a little bit more than we see with the other three that we were talking about that are the overcompensating Mm-hmm. you know under the radar kinds of kids that find more social acceptance these are the kids that really struggle and maybe people educators and parents and community see these kids and recognize they're struggling but often don't know what to do like how do I help mm-hmm. how do I help a child in my my sphere of influence that's struggling with these things. And what would you say to them if they ask you that question? I think the kids, and this is kind of the upshot of everything that we're talking about, is kids just need to feel like they, they're loved and they belong. And how do we do that? I think there are a lot of things that we have to do. And one of them is we have to spend time with them. Mm. We have to recognize what is good about them even if they don't want to acknowledge or recognize it in themselves mm-hmm. and one of my secret weapons is mirroring neurons do you know what those are no say it again mirroring neurons no tell me okay tell me about this so it's something that we're born with mirroring neurons are in our eyes mm-hmm. and mirroring neurons help us to detect the emotions of others so we can feel what others feel towards us okay so how do you tap into that so do you want to know the distance that a mirroring neuron usually works it's the distance between a mother holding her baby in her arms it's that distance okay and researchers say that that is like basically by divine design because babies don't have words and so them being able to look into the eyes of their caretakers helps them to feel the love okay. that their caretakers have for them without words. Okay. And I think that when we take the time to stop and look these kids in the eye and we communicate heartfelt things to them, they can feel what we feel. And that... Those mirroring neurons are send such authentic feelings to them that we can convey so much to them. So I think it's about connecting in a lot of different ways, but um, you know, connecting with them emotionally, connecting with them over their interests, mm-hmm. um, giving them love and acceptance. Um, being willing to take the time when you know that that they're struggling, which, yeah. Which at my house is usually like the middle of the night. Yes, <laughs> just I mean, when I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> it's like 11 p.m. or a 10:30, and the teenager comes walking in. Exactly. And they're like, I can just see my teenagers walking in, and they're turning in their cell phones, and oh, they're not turning towards the door; they're turning towards me. Uh-huh. We've got something to talk about. <laughs> yes. 
or they just want to connect with you before they go to bed, right? I mean, there have been there's been a lot of information out about this that it's like, hey, parents, get ready. It's the nighttime when these teenagers yeah. are awake. And actually, they've done sleep studies to show that teenagers' sleep patterns, it's not that they they won't go to bed at night. It's that their bodies are just not ready to go to bed yet. And so they're not tired yet, but they want to connect. And those are great yeah. opportunities to do it. It's actually at nighttime yeah, to connect. Like, yeah, for, I've never had a teenager wake me up at 6 in the morning and say, hey, let's talk. No. <laughs> Usually no. it's like, please don't turn on the light. Don't turn on the light. Because I'm trying to get him up to school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, those moments. I am just thinking about all the things that, sh- that you've shared. And there is just, there's just so much to be said for taking the time to connect with our teenagers. Because at the end of the day, that's what they need. And I, I so often feel like these kids need to feel that they're valued so that they believe it themselves. And so often they're getting, these kids are getting negative attention. And what we're talking about is really being able to look beyond that and give positive attention because these are really the kids that need it. Yes. These rebel, the rebel and the outsider. I heard someone share once about this idea that she actually heard from an older gentleman. And he said, like, talking about this idea of what does it mean to love kids in a classroom environment? How do we show that love, that that um, create that connection. And he shared that wouldn't it be great when these kids show up that we don't notice the two negative things that drive us nuts as teachers? What if we saw all the good qualities instead mm-hmm. and treated them in that way for all the good qualities that they have? Because the fact is, all kids have good qualities. Yeah. And I heard this idea once that it was if a kid want like kids want to succeed and if they can they will and if they're not then they they need someone to help them figure out how to do that because what kid wants to fail over and over what kid doesn't want to be accepted and loved for who they are yeah so it's about as adults trying to figure out all of those different kind of components and helping kids feel that connection. And it's interesting, as a substitute teacher, I've been that for the last couple of years in the schools. I go into these classrooms, and these kids are not afraid to tell me what's going on at home, (laughs) what's going on in the classroom, what's going on in the school, and how they feel about things. And it's so fascinating to me that, yeah, I've gotten to know a lot of these kids over the years. But I think as adults, if we show up with a heart that says, hey, I'm here because I care and I want to get to know you, some of those first are going to be easier to get to know and they're going to tell you stuff. But over time, the other ones are going to open mm-hmm. up. And I heard this beautiful story actually from a student. I was subs- I was long-term subbing last year and we were, it was a book club kind of experience your daughter was in, I think, I think your daughter was in this class. And now I can't remember which class it was, but I'm pretty sure your daughter was in this class. So she experienced this with everyone. And it was one of the boys in the class. He had had 
as we're talking about this book, right? It's this book club and this literature class. And he starts sharing some of these really hard experiences about growing up a home with one parent and then having to move to Idaho and all of the different hard things that he went through to get to Idaho and how once he got here, a kid on the baseball team saw him play, like throw a baseball a couple of times. And that kid said, hey, coach, I think we should, I think that this kid might be good for the team. And long story short, this coach saw the student and got this student on the team. Mm. And this student really opened up in this book club session. Here I am, just a long-term sub. And he's opening up about some of the hard things about being in a home. I think there was some you know, alcoholic issues, some drug issues, a parent went to prison. I mean, he's talking about majorly hard, real things that are happening in his life. And I'm thinking, I know as a long-term sub, I've only been here for a few weeks. I don't know that I did anything to foster this kind of a moment. And I knew something else had happened. Like, what? Because some of the other kids were just, it was as if they had already known. This was like a breakfast club moment. It was a breakfast club moment, Amy. And I... I asked him, I was, I was like, what? I mean, I remember thanking him for his, sharing his story and how it just was really created such a great moment for all of us in this room at, the, at this table. And he shared that the teacher, the woman I was subbing for, had noticed early on in the school year, she knew part of his story and she had given him a book and believed in his capacity. And she said basically that I think that you could write and connect. You could connect with this story in this book and it might help you tap into your own story. And you've got a voice. And I think that you have the capacity to share that and do something amazing. And so this boy, this teenager, had a teacher that saw something and believed in him and connected with him through literature. This boy met a friend when he moved here who saw his talent and connected with him and invited him into this team. And this kid still had all those hard scars from his entire life, but he, in living here in Eagle, had experienced the love of a school community, of the people around mm. him. And it was such an incredible moment to watch like just unfold and these kids kind of already knew these parts and I mean it was just like breathtakingly beautiful I mean it, it just it was incredible I loved being able to see that and then to kind of piece together through the classroom experience all these different points that had gotten him to there and it was multiple people that had connected with him and helped him feel loved and accepted for who he was not who he needed to be or right or who he could be, but for who he was in that moment. And then he grew from that. Mm. And that's, I think, what we want for our kids. And that's what I think like the Breakfast Club kind of shows in this, in this, in these moments that there are kids in all sorts of different places. And if we as adults open our eyes, we have the capacity to help these kids feel connected to themselves mm -hmm. and to others. Because as I've heard you share before, those are two things that every person needs. needs yes. They need to connect with themselves and they need to connect with other people. 
Okay. Do you have any other things you want to share there? No, that was just like so perfect. <laughs> I was just like, yes, that's so perfect. And that example, um, my daughter was in that class. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my daughter came home from school and talked about how much that had moved her and how his taking that risk led to other kids mm-hmm. sharing in really authentic ways that like my daughter just said like I wish like every class could be like this and she was so excited to go back because she said we're gonna like be talking about this again in the next class period and and I had this like spark thought like that's what kids crave yes it's exactly what they crave they love it because they get to really be who they are and and seen for who they are and I'm remembering now like all these you know you start telling something and it comes back I remember I believe this was senior skip day I think it was senior skip day it was senior skip day <laughs> and I made my kid go to school, made your kid go to school. <laughs> and I told her I'm like aren't you glad you went aren't you glad you went and I think there were maybe five kids in class that day so a class that should have had 25 kids only had five so we were all clumped in one group and it fostered I remember telling you about this when it was over it fostered this moment as like like this breakfast club moment where they all got to be real together and to be seen for who they are man I wish we could like have all those kids here I and like just talk about it like that was a 2020s breakfast club experience it totally was it was amazing I loved I loved being able to witness that it was beautiful those kids are awesome. And and teenagers are awesome. But I mean, the fact is, teenagers are awesome. And so we've got – I'm actually kind of excited because we have an announcement to make. Are you ready? Do you, do you remember this announcement? Yes, I, text I you, do. I t- you, did, you did message me about it. Yeah. And you're always, like, messaging me good things, including other <laughs> – funny things and I read this and I thought this is gonna be really cool yes because we've done something like Mm -hmm. this before and Mm -hmm. it was just fantastic so I I love this yeah it was gold okay Okay, lay it out okay so I started this idea it's called table talk with teenagers and I do it with my my kids and so then I kind of expanded it or just a little bit changed it I came to you and I said, what if we did a table talk with adults? And we called it that, table talk with adults, where we as adults get together and we have a conversation about something that is like, it's topic driven. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just us getting together and BSing, you know, over like drinks and stuff, though those things are good. I'm not saying they're not, those (laughs) things are good. But we get together and we talk about something that matters to us. And so a couple years ago, actually it was just last year, Last year, we hosted at my house Table Talk with Adults, and it was The Breakfast Club and Teenagers 2022. Yeah. And so the awesome announcement is that- We had such a great turnout. Oh, my gosh. And it was so good. Yes. That conversation was incredible. And the thing that- So what we're going to do is we're going to do this in January, and we're going to have two- sessions of this it's free no one has to pay for this okay and it's table talk with adults and we're going to do the topic is going to be teenagers 2024 mm-hmm. we're going to do one in-person one and we're going to do one over zoom because i know people around the united states that want to tap into this 
that don't live here in the Treasure Valley, but that want to participate in this. So to get ready, they have to watch the movie. So that's to get ready, be that's the a homework. Pre- that's, 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 a, that's a prerequisite. That's a prerequisite. You have to watch The Breakfast Club. And the thing that's gold about this idea for me is that when our kids are little, we're all talking to each other about our kids and what they're doing. Yeah. And it's so normal. But then when we become adults, I mean, when when our teenager, when our kids become teenagers and we're older adults now, we don't feel like we can talk about these things. It's less spoken about. I've heard a lot of people talk about this idea that all of a sudden our kids become teenagers and we want to respect their privacy. Yeah. So we don't talk about the hard things. But the fact is adults need to get together to talk about teenagers so that we can understand them better, so that we can show up for them better and create these communities that they so deserve. So we're going to do that. Just pay attention to my social media and I'll post about those things so that you can tap into that. Um, All this information will be in the show notes so they can, so that you, the listener, can connect with us because we are inviting you to this. So at the end of every top, every podcast that I have, Amy, I have two key takeaways. I do this every time. And so because you're here, this is, you're actually my first guest on the podcast. Thank you so much. This is like, (laughs) (laughs) this is the best. I think you were my first guest the last time I did a podcast. I think you were my very first First one, best one. I get to hold that title until you do your next one. And then, you know, (laughs) slipping in the rankings. (laughs) So uh, two key takeaways from the conversation today. I've got one. It's not fair. I came with per- with one that's prepared. So if you would like, I'll share mine. And then if you would share a key yeah. takeaway. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my key takeaway from what I was thinking about prior to the conversation was that teenagers need adults to be observant and active participants in their lives. That from, from what I've gathered from our conversation today, that teenagers, they need they need us to connect with them. And in order for us to connect with them, we as adults must be observant and participate in their lives. Oh, that's, a, that's so, yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would add to that that teenagers are very complex and wonderful people. And... Um, we think we know them so well when they're little and you know their problems seem simple and easy to solve and then when their lives get more complicated sometimes they feel alone because their parents don't know how to solve their problems anymore and I just think it's at those times we have to find ways to lean in to their lived experience and know that there are things that we understand that are universal breakfast club things but there are things that are so unique to them to the time and place and who they are and to honor that as well um and i just think when kids share with you that's such a it's a gift and uh i'm so grateful for all the kids i get to work with that open their hearts and minds to me and um, allow me to help them in their journeys whether it's um, my clients or even my own kids Um, I just it's such an honor and I really tip my hat to everybody who's 
in the trenches with our youth today that are wanting to make this world a better place for them, to give them better life experiences in our communities. Um, because the world is, is um, a challenging place to live, and um, they need to know that they're loved. So well said. Thank you so much, Amy. You rock. And Thanks. I'm so glad you got to be on the podcast with me today. And I would just share with all my listeners, just check the show notes so you know how to connect with me and with our upcoming events. And I just would encourage everyone to keep up the good work for bringing together our school communities. And that's a wrap on today's episode of Our Kids, Our Schools. Your contributions are vital in this shared journey towards a thriving school community. So let's keep this conversation going on my Instagram page at the.alexis.morgan. Share your insights, suggestions, and experiences. Follow the podcast so you never miss empowering discussions and insightful resources. And always remember, keep learning, keep questioning, and together, let's make a difference.